welcome to Conversations About Life. Okay, well, thanks, Kevin and Marissa, for getting together for the podcast. Yeah. So, um, I'll just start by introducing you. Um, I know you guys. I met Kevin because I used to photograph weddings. And <laughs> Kevin got I remember that. married to Marissa, and I photographed the wedding. Mm-hmm. How did you guys meet? We met at uh, First Baptist Church, um, Marissa's brother, Ryan was an intern pastor for the youth and then Marissa would come up to babysit Bridget, the her niece, and Ryan had kind of a what would you call it? <laughs> ulterior ulterior motive of setting us up and uh, I met Marissa and I just really liked her personality, her confidence, her good looks, her charming <laughs> attitude and uh we uh, started hanging out, talking. Um, she had a... Should we go into that? I don't she, care. She had a boyfriend at the time. <laughs> so I was like, well, I don't really want to pursue someone who has a boyfriend. And then Ryan was like, oh, Marissa's going to break up with her boyfriend. You should just wait. <laughs> <laughs> it was their goal to break us up. <laughs> so... I think I was part of the the plan for Ryan because he was trying to break them up and <laughs> I was just one of the, the pawns of, you know, capturing her. <laughs> Recapturing her. Um, He's dragged into it unwillingly. No. <laughs> just kidding. So you guys are both nurses. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, when I think of your guys' personality, like... I guess, like, Marissa, I think of you as pretty um, kind of bubbly, outgoing, outgoing, liking to talk, and things like that. And uh, then Kevin, I think of you as, like, someone who would maybe um, (laughs) play a leading role in, like, a high school production or something like (laughs) that. High school musical? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I don't really spike my hair. (laughs) (laughs) You mean, like, high school musical? Yeah. (laughs) Kevin's, Kevin's more introverted, singer. but I think... Really? Um, I just remember that um, engagement video and everything. Yeah. That was like a big production. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's... I don't know. I would say you're a little more introverted, um, but, but not really. He's... I don't know if he's extroverted, introverted, or introverted, extroverted, because when he's with someone that's extroverted, like me, he just... He comes out, so... He just, he's quiet, and which balances me out a lot. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I don't, I don't love being the center of attention, but when I decide that I need to be the center of attention, <laughs> then I like it. <laughs> for like, you know, I used to do a lot of um, kid skits for church, and um, I was always planning those, and I loved being like the center of attention, and not that not to be the center of attention, but to um, just kind of acting with and kind of being with kids and teaching them and entertaining them. And so I, I don't have a whole lot of like acting skills, but I like, you know, 
I like doing that with kids. So I kind of can do that once in a while, but it's just been a while. So His dad was the um, children's pastor at the First Baptist Shawnee. Yeah. Okay. So, and that's why I met him there. Cause did you ever, dad did you see, ever see at Rockport where I did the, uh, the Christmas skit <laughs> with Brad, <laughs> with Brad, with Brad Hawkins. So. Yeah. <laughs> Not too memorable. <laughs> so, um, okay. That's the introduction. So now the first question is kind of broad. You can take it how you want it, want to, but, um, what are y'all about? And you, just either of you can start, but like, how would you answer? I'll let you go first. <laughs> no, no, you no. can't. <laughs> oh. Well, I think the uh, the big thing we're all about right now is uh, raising our daughter, um, striving to teach her and disciple her to uh, know God is a big thing. So we do that every day and seems like kind of our motivation right now like what does that look like um it just kind of depends on the day but we do a lot of um praying at meals together we um usually during the day when he goes to work and i'm at home with her um at breakfast we do devotionals with her she always asks for more for for each chapter of this bible that we got she she really likes it and then we listen to music, usually like Seeds Family Worship, or lately she's been addicted to the B-I-B-L-E for all you 90s babies out there. <laughs> um, and then at night we do um, devotionals with her. Um, we, we, have a, we do a routine of a couple books. Um, usually it's another chapter in the Bible. Um, and then... Um, we listen to a song before she goes to bed. Um, that's usually, she really likes Jesus Loves Me. So that's kind of been our thing for quite a few months now, would you agree? And then we have a um, specific, oh, we, we pray with her. And then we have a specific verse that we are really wanting to teach and something that we want to really mark her life. And so we pray that over her. And, yeah. And then throughout the day, trying to disciple a toddler is <laughs> hit or miss. So, um... Like a sp- particular verse, mm-hmm. is it change like from day to day, week to week, or is it just the same one? Mm, the same one at night, but sometimes Kevin does different ones with her. Yeah. I... Well, what's the verse? That seems like a kind of like a key verse. Yeah. Here. yeah. So Adelaide is her name. Oh, we're talking. Okay. Yeah. And it means mm-hmm. noble and kind, or the noble kind, but we went with the version noble and kind. And so. Proverbs thirty-one twenty-five. Yeah. So it's, strength, strength and dignity are her clothing. She laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. And so we really pray that over her, because in a um, just kind of the age we are in and the generations, um, just the way they are um, leaving the gospel, and um, we want her to be strong for the gospel, to be noble, but to also be kind. Mm-hmm. We don't want her to... Um, follow the world we want her to be strong-willed and because we pray for that that's what we have <laughs> very strong-willed little girl <laughs> so when you say leaving the gospel like what do you mean mm, i see a lot of apostasy i see a lot of um i don't know how to word this um but what is uh, how would you put the gospel in a nutshell 
Like, what what are they leaving? Um, the truth. A lot of people, they they make their own truth. So instead of um, it being, um, you know, Christ dying for our sins, and we would start at the beginning, you know, we have all sinned, and there's nothing we can do to save us from our sins, and we need a Savior, and so Christ came to die for us, um, and then he rose again, um, and because of that, he's defeated death. Um, and so a lot of people will just make their own gospel. They'll say, Christ plus the world. So I'm a Christian. I have Christ because I believe in him, but I can go do X, Y, Z. It's okay if I sin. Um, I know a lot of people who claim to be Christian, even at my workplace, who um, think it's, you know, uh, just he's just kind of an additive to their, to their purse in, in a way. Um, very, um, they don't believe the Bible's inerrant. Um, they believe it was written by men. Um, and, you know, of course... With beards. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so a lot of people just are making their own gospel, basically. And we really want Adelaide to stick to what the Word says about who the Lord is. And we don't want her to describe herself as who she feels like she is or who Disney tells her she is, but who the what the Bible tells her she is. So that's Yeah, it's just kind of... What it comes down to is we want her to f- form her life around the truth, and the truth is it comes from God's word. We don't want, um, like what Disney or what the world says, you need to form the truth around you. So it's just giving her the truth of God's word, what God has declared in the past, um, not only spoken to men and women, but... Um, um, what he's revealed in, in nature and how he has created things ideally and created things to have a purpose. So just declaring that truth to her and saying, hey, you know, seek wisdom, seek the truth of God and form your life around it and you'll be blessed. Um, so that's just part of parenting and there's a lot of parents who don't want to do that. They want their kids to um, take little tidbits of whatever their whatever they think is true and form it around their around themselves and make their own identity. And I mean, you you come across these parents all the time. Mm, oh yeah, yeah. I I work with uh, moms and babies, and um, I just see a a lot of moms like not even wanting um for you to pick um like do call their kids he or she they want the kids to pick for themselves and even from infancy and it's like no you know my daughter's clearly a girl so um we want to raise her to be a woman of god so so that so that's um how common is that for someone to like from birth not want to like uh say their baby's a he or she Mm. A lot of them, a lot of them will pick a gender, but if you start asking them, you know, and of course I don't ask all of these moms during birth, but if you, if you, if you do start asking, you know, them questions, or if you just kind of get into subjects, a lot of them will say things like, well, we're going to let them pick what they want to do. And of course, you know, we are going to love them regardless. And so if you dig, you'll find that with a lot of people, but a lot of times you don't have time for digging. So, and there's parents, I work at a pediatric clinic and there's parents that'll um, I mean, this isn't very common, but we have had a, a parent 
who, you know, will ask our clinic for um, condoms for their child who's because they want their kid to explore their sexuality while they're a teenager. I mean, it's just we're getting to the point where parents are encouraging um, just kind of this this attitude that you need to explore yourself and find your happiness in yourself, which ultimately, because we are um, born in sin and, you know, depraved um, and wicked people, apart from the grace of God, we just will in, we'll all end up on, you know, self-medicating and just trying to cover up our woes and just ultimately not finding that hope that happiness that we we all desire you know so what gives you confidence in the word like you're referring to the bible mm-hmm. so that seems like it's it's really um important for you that it's like Adelaide's life and people mm-hmm. is based on that rather than they just kind of figuring it out on their own so um what you know and uh Marissa mentioned inerrancy and so forth. So what gives you your confidence in it? When I was in high school, I think there was just kind of some doubting, like, okay, you know, is God's word really true? Is God's word really what people say it is as far as, you know, the the pastor that I'm hearing or the Christian brother that tells me God's word is true um, ultimately it just I mean I wasn't I wasn't there when God spoke like Moses says in Genesis I wasn't there when God spoke to the prophets um, I mean there's there's things about the Bible that are really amazing like if you just even look in Isaiah where God tells Isaiah that his servant or his anointed one Cyrus King Cyrus would bring back you know let the Jews come back to the land of Israel and that's hundreds of years before Cyrus was even alive so prophecy like that is pretty amazing and then you know Josephus says that the the Hebrews took that passage to Cyrus and showed it and said hey this is talking about you <laughs> and he was just like shocked like wow you know, maybe this God of uh, the Hebrews is something that he can predict the future. Maybe, you know, I need to do something. Not that he turned to... You know, jo- like, Josephus was a first century fellow, right? Yeah. Maybe it was... I don't know who... It might be... Was there another one? I'll have to get back with you on that. Sure. Okay, that's fine. Yeah. Okay. Okay, um, but I was basically what I was going with that is um, confidence. In the end, just comes to faith. You okay. you have to say, "Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna trust your word, Lord. I can't I can't prove it on my own strength." And I'm, there's things about your your word that are just simply amazing, and I'm just gonna have to believe that this is the word of God. Um, I, right. You have anything to add to that? 
Um, your question was, what gives you confidence? In like, the Bible. In the Bible? Yeah. I mean, just to... It's... Well, first of all, the Holy Spirit, because I can't have that on my own. So, because, you know, when you're going through times of doubting um, or, you know, struggles. But um, I just I just really look around you. Look at just people and sinfulness and uh, the, even just the beauty of the world. How can you deny? Um, and then, like Kevin said, just um, just the history of the Bible and... Mm-hmm. Um, um, where, um, like, like the history and where I cannot get my words out. (laughs) Well, if you just, I mean, just read through it and it's just fascinating how it doesn't really like whitewash anything. So like if it's talking about David, it doesn't like glorify man. It doesn't. It'll just say, you know, this man did this, you know, if it was evil or wicked or good or bad. It doesn't really whitewash. It just kind of says what happened as far as the history goes. And I think a lot of times in history we're trying to, nowadays, you know, revise it to say things that aren't offensive. Or like the Bible says things that are really offensive. The the Bible's full of, you know, people who were racist and... Just, I mean, like, like Jonah was racist, and it doesn't really try to elevate man. It, the whole purpose of the Bible is to show that God is more glorious than man. And when you when you interact with people, you realize that okay, we all are kind of wicked in our own way. We all are kind of what the Bible says as far as sinful, and you kind of see that truth and. In, in person, you know. Let's go, you know, what about like wickedness um, of people? Because, um, I'm sorry. Um, because like sometimes when you go somewhere, like let's say you go, people clean up pretty well. You know, you go to a restaurant, everyone looks nice, they're polite, they're kind to one another. In the workplace, um, people, you know, people who are nice, they, they get ahead and they do well a lot of times. I mean, not every situation. Sometimes there's political stuff going on. Mm-hmm. But um, there's... Um, so, in a sense, um, like, it seems like people are looking for a meaningful life. They're trying to, you know, they give to charities. They do this, they do that. So, like, what are when you're thinking of... When you're speaking of wickedness... Um, like what what comes to mind to you just um like a, a maliciousness towards god um and not believing in him is wicked um just he created us taking his okay. name in vain taking what he's made and um you know not appreciating it and and trampling over it um just kind of you know, speaking against, having a heart that's um, against God and what he's done, who he is, and um, just a, a desire um, to put him down. I think when, um, I think that's a, you know, hard question because when most people 
when we talk about wickedness, we think of like, of course, everyone brings up, you know, Hitler or, um, you know, mass murders or, um, you know, people who do like the sins that every, everyone agrees, oh, that's awful. But people don't realize even the, even just the things, you know, that are hidden in our hearts, um, you know, um, even things like idleness or, um, you know, when, what we've even talking about, just unbelief, unbelief in who Christ is. Because, you know, you can believe in God, but if you don't believe in Christ, you're, you're not saved. You're, you're still wicked, even um, or if you don't follow him, you know, because even, even the demons believe. So... Um, I think, like I said, a lot of wickedness people view as like awfulness, but we all are that way. And that's Mm -hmm. why we need Christ because it's, it's deeply ingrained in us. So, and I always, it's Paul who, um, I'm the chief of sinners and I look at myself because I know my own heart and I'm like, yep, I am the chief of sinners. And people are like, oh no, you can't be. And you're like, you don't know my heart like I know my heart. And and what's you know the, the Holy Spirit knows it even deeper and <laughs> knows it can go a lot farther without him so that's where grace comes in you know with our culture and the other thing when we go back to what we want to teach Adelaide is we all could be there we all could be mm-hmm. teaching our kids to follow their heart and it's okay to be who you want to be and um, handing out condoms to our sons or you know telling our kids to explore because because we have the Holy Spirit we and we know the truth we don't we don't want that for our daughter um so well here's another kind of big broad question to jump off on and (laughs) what is unique about you or should i ask each other (laughs) (laughs) Um. us individually or together um kind of probably Individually, I mean, there, unless there's something that's kind of just unique about you guys together. Like a unique random fact or... <laughs> um, no, more of like, what's, um, how are you different in some way that's kind of uh, meaningful, I guess? Not something too trivial, but like, how has God made you, um, you know, that you're gifted in some particular way or, or something along those lines, I guess? feels like an interview question (laughs) (laughs) that's really hard (laughs) it's one of the things i needed to think about and write down before i came i'll let you go first (laughs) what's unique about kevin you i'll ask each of you guys to answer this for the other oh that's 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 easier okay um, besides Kevin just being Kevin, which is unique all around, my family would definitely call him unique. <laughs> special. Yeah, special. <laughs> um, um, I love the way Kevin thinks, um, and just watching him think through scenarios, think through, think through situations. He's very analytical, um, but also, um, his his heart when he thinks he's um he tries to think of um things that would honor the lord so um you know at times i'm like wait what where are you going with this or like what brought up that thought but when you you kind of have to dig deep in kevin because he's kind of like this i would say this like 
mine with gemstones and then you keep getting deep you're like oh that's really good so mm-hmm. I, I just I like the way that he um breaks down the word because I'm definitely one of those that you know has a harder time so um it's I, I, sometimes I feel like I have a a pastor to go to if you remember, even though he's not one so <laughs> it's it's always good to um just ask him how would you interpret this or um I don't know. He's just, I really like the way his brain works. <laughs> okay. So why don't you take what she just said and just kind of clarify it a little bit? Did, or, or did she just say it perfectly? Just, uh, well, just bring it down a couple notches, I would say. <laughs> okay. Or maybe two or three, yeah. Okay. Well, Kevin, what's unique about Marissa? Um, Better be snappy. No, I'm <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> I know. I had something good to say in the... Um, well, she's able, this is always what I've found fascinating about Marissa is she's able to (laughs) speak and listen at the same time. (laughs) (laughs) Like that's a family trait. (laughs) I'll be, she'll be talking to someone, you know, having a conversation and then off in the distance, someone else will be talking and she can listen to it at the same time. And I'm like, how do you do that? It's, it's a, I think it's a woman dream more than anything. We have so many uh, computer windows up yeah. at the same time. <laughs> I, I'm doing good just to talk to one person at a time and not, you know, miss something. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like, I feel like I'm more of a listener. But I'm, I, the, I'm the talker, definitely. But I, I, I'm so analytical that when I'm listening to someone, if they say something and it gets me, like, thinking about something... That I just like stop listening. <laughs> yeah, you know but, something that I can bring up that Kevin says about me, which I never knew till actually just this year. Is he goes, "You have a really good way of just connecting people." I'm like, oh, yeah. I would say one of the unique things about Marissa that I, I've noticed since we've been married, even before we married, she can meet a stranger and make friends with them in like five or ten minutes <laughs> and yeah. like just here's something here's something random we we were driving to florida one time and we went to panera's like in um paducah kentucky just to stop by and get some food and she just starts talking to this guy at panera and i think he just ended up buying her meal or her drink or something <laughs> i don't remember <laughs> i was just like you got some stranger to buy you your meal? <laughs> I don't Just... remember. I kind of remember that now. We were in Germany one time and we were lost. Oh we my were... goodness. Here you can tell go. that story. <laughs> this is a great story. You should tell it. No. <laughs> so my, we, were, we visited my Aunt Beth and we were in Wiesbaden, Germany. And she dropped us off at a park and we were going to walk. We're like, yeah, we think we can make it home. So she goes home without us. Well, it gets dark. And we kind of lose track of where we are. We get turned around. And we end up kind of at like this random sw- it was a swimming, spa. like a spa yeah. swimming pool. And what did you... There you was were- a lady and I said, excuse me, do you speak English? And she said, a little bit, little bit, which that's a lie. They all know a lot of English. They just are afraid to use it. And I said, we're lost. So yeah, his aunt gave us this itty bitty little map of just a couple cross streets of her house. Like no address. It was hand, hand drawn. Hand drawn and handwritten. She's like, if you get lost, this is, this is the cross section where we're at. Like no addresses or anything. And I said, she, I said, we're lost. Can you help us get back home? And she said, do you have a car? And 
I'm like, no, we're lost. <laughs> and, and she's like, and she's like, come on, I'll take you. And we're like, do we get in the stranger's car? We're in Germany. <laughs> and she goes, do you have car? No, then come, I'll drive you. I, and she said she lives near there. Yeah. And she did. And we got in her car and we got back home. And his <laughs> my aunt, aunt was flabbergasted. <laughs> you got a German to bring you home? And she an American and didn't even know you? <laughs> She's like, I didn't even know that was possible. <laughs> I don't know but, if we have time for this. I really want to talk about the Disney one. No. <laughs> that was amazing. <laughs> We have sure. time for this? Yeah, we do. All right. <laughs> Forgot about that, too. So we went to Disney, I think, in 2018. We went with um, some ex- some of my extended family, um, aunt, uncle, cousins, not, no um, immediate family. They all wanted to leave Disney early. Um, and so Marissa and I are like, we want to stay late. We paid a bazillion dollars to go here. We're not going <laughs> to... Sold our car to go. <laughs> Sold it. <laughs> We did. We sold our car to go. Wow. <laughs> no, it wasn't to go. That car needed to go. Okay. But <laughs> well, we did. It did help. Yeah. <laughs> and so um, we stayed late and we had to um, get to the shuttle by 10 o'clock, I think. Mm-hmm. There was only one shuttle that would take us back to our hotel mm-hmm. or whatever. We didn't have a car there. Um, and so... We went on this last ride, and we were sitting next to... Um, what was the ride? Oh, I don't remember the name of it. It's a famous one. It's the one they got rid of the because it's, I guess, racist now. Because it's got... Uh, it's like a log ride that has... No, I think they still have it. I don't remember. I think they're going to get rid of it, though. Okay. It has, like... What were they? I, square, squirrels? Like, on and the a an- moose. Oh, animatronics. I can't remember the name of it. But it has, like, this log ride, and you go up, and then you go down this big waterfall type thing and so marissa just starts talking to this family and like oh we we got to make it back she makes friends with them and the lady's like well if you don't make it back to your shuttle in time just here here's my phone number give us a call and we'll take you back to the hotel (laughs) and like oh that's so nice of you but we really don't you don't have to do that oh it's called splash mountain splash mountain yeah i think they're getting rid of it i don't know if they've gotten rid of it yet so then we just, after that ride, we just book it. We run, and then we get into this huge line for, uh, like, a monorail or something. Yeah. Uh, we don't make it. We make it to the parking lot, and the shuttle's not there. So we call my relatives who are at the hotel, and none of them answer. And they're like, so we're texting them. Like, hey, can you pick us up? And like, and they're just like, oh, just get an Uber. We don't want to pick you up. Like, like we never, we never see you. It's like, it's too late. Just get an Uber. We don't want to come out and get you. And we're like, seriously. Our hotel wasn't far from Disney, by the way. It was only like 15 minutes. Marissa's like, Marissa's like what's wrong with your family, Kevin? My family would never do this. Uh, Kevin, maybe we should maybe we should block that part out. Hey, it adds to the drama. <laughs> I can leave it in. <laughs> um, so then we're like, well, I was like, Marissa, I don't want to call Uber. Let's call that one lady. <laughs> she, uh, it was a lady uh, and then a husband and then a teenager. Who worked at Disney. Who worked at Disney. They were just down visiting him. Yep. And they were from Boston. And, yep, they said, hey, yeah, we'll come get you. So they picked us up in the uh, parking lot and 
took us home at like 11.30 at night. They didn't want any money. We kept offering them. They're like, like, we'll pay you. They didn't want any. And we found out she had a really similar story to Kevin. She also had Lyme disease. So, oh, really? Yeah. It was really cool, just our conversation on the way back. So, And there was just, you know, she had stuff in common with, you know, me too, but I can't remember everything. But I don't know, which we just felt like it was from the Lord. So <laughs> it was pretty cool. So that's unique about Marissa. Right. It doesn't matter where you are in the world. She'll find a friend to bring you home. <laughs> well, that's a superpower. <laughs> it saves on Uber. <laughs> For sure. And free food. <laughs> yeah. So um, how did you guys get started in Christianity? I know it's probably different for each of you, but just what, did you guys grow up in it mm-hmm. and just start from like real early and stuff or... Or I guess yeah, so. My, like your dad was my dad, in the church and stuff. And yeah, my dad was a um, pastor at First Baptist Church, Shawnee, in Kansas for 28, 29 years. Um, and so I grew up going to that church. I was pretty much there every other day. Um, I'd be there, you know, not just... We did Awanas, we did Parents Day Out, like all the activities that I was doing as a boy were was at church. Um, so that's kind of how I got into it. And, my, and, my, and we would just go up there for fun. Um, I remember my dad would, dad and I would just go up there to the gym and just go shoot around. Like it was just kind of and you know other people would be there too it was just it's just kind of a place where i grew up hanging out and then did christianity just always resonate with you from a, from an early age yeah yeah i think so um my my parents modeled uh it for me and what um a disciple of christ looks for uh looks like um my my dad modeled it for me my mom modeled it for me um, like in any particular ways, um, your mom's just their care for me. Yeah. yeah, they're just having a a servant's heart and caring about their children. And my brother, as I got older, um, in high school and college, really, and actually, probably when I was a senior in high school and after senior high school my brother was really instrumental my brother kind of um he didn't he didn't really lead me to the lord but he just kind of really encouraged me after high school because he had just gone through um a lot in college and then he just kind of got on fire for the lord and was really um, inspirational to me so my family was kind of a big big part of it you don't. You weren't really saved till high school, though, right? I thought after your heart surgery, or is that when you just felt like things mm-hmm. got more real for you? Yeah, I think whenever you face like a situation where you know this could be your end. I had heart surgery when I was in a freshman in high school, and I kind of had to think about, okay, what if this surgery goes wrong? They're gonna, you know, they had to stop his heart for st- it. Stop my heart. Put me on a bypass and. Um, you know, what if things go wrong? I need to be ready eternally with, you know, what I believe and 
So that was also a big thing. And I had pastors and my family around there to, to lead me through that and encourage me to, to trust God, to believe okay. that he's going to take care of me. Well, what, what about yourself, Marissa? Mm, mine's a little messier. Um, we grew up in the faith, but um, I think my parents, they were, they grew up Catholic. So it, has to, it starts with my parents. And when they were saved, my mom was kind of ostracized from her family. My dad, not so much. And she wasn't really ostracized, I guess. But her mom, you know, it was more, you are Catholic, you're Catholic. And, um, um, and not that, not that Catholics can't be saved. It's just that my mom was more of, you know, following the rules, but she always had this heart for the Lord. Well, I guess they went to a couple churches, um, went through a couple denominations and there was just a lot of, um, church hurt, a lot of like legalism, a lot of, um, just things that happened to them. So, um, my mom always wanted us to be in church, and I remember going to, we, we definitely had a few different churches that we went to um, growing up, and so, but the gospel really wasn't central. Um, you know, I, it was kind of like what we were talking about earlier, it was, got Jesus in my purse, I'm okay, <laughs> kind of thing. Again, like, but my parents were really into morals, and I think for them, you know, they were, you know, for them, they, they knew that it was um, because you need to have love for the Lord. But for me, I thought, I got to be good. I got to do good. I got to get straight A's because I'm supposed to be good. And so I guess um, we started going to this church when I was, I don't know if it was fifth grade or no, it was earlier. But um, we got really involved. My brother, Ryan, became... Um, he started going to. He was going to go to school for seminary. My brother Brandon got was saved first out of all of us, um, and he led Ryan to the Lord, and I guess which led Amber. She will probably. She is. I don't remember how it worked, but Miranda and I were the last two, and we were at the same time. And both of us think both of us, you know, were saved around seventh grade ish while we were going to this church. But I have actually no idea because. <laughs> There was just a lot of my family growing together, and um, um, I think um, we got planted at um, Rockport around, like right around when Miranda and I were saved, and then we started getting the real rich theology, and um, while that was really, really good for us because we were we really saw our depravity, I got to say it was also <laughs> put me in this like this moralistic stage again <laughs> where I was like, I really got legalistic. Um, and it wasn't really till I married Kevin and got out of a rich theological church that I had to start learning grace again. And our church is really good. It was just my heart and me struggling with moralism because it's something I had always struggled with. So, um, I definitely have had a lot of sanctification, um, I don't have a particular time that I knew I was saved. Um, I know some people can pinpoint. I can't because there's been a lot of growth and there was a lot of fear. Even even recently, I'm having my baby. I was pretty, pretty sick. Um, and I kept thinking, oh my goodness, I'm going to die and go to hell because I don't really love the Lord. And because you just doubt yourself and you're like, I don't do X, Y, Z. I don't do this for him. I don't do that. Maybe I'm really not saved. And you can ask Kevin. I, I struggle with it off and on um, quite a lot. But... Um, I think after having Adelaide, I um, 
and being sleep deprived and going through so much. It was kind of just one of the ways the Lord's like, you got to stop relying on yourself, Marissa. I, I did this. Um, um, I, so I don't know, maybe it was recently. I have no idea, but I just, I know that there's been a lot of sanctification throughout my entire life. But, um, like I said, we were church too, but in a very different way. Like there was, um, a lot of moralism and, um, you really just, um, but really that's again, what we're trying to teach Adelaide is yes, you should have good morals, but it's not because you want good morals. It's because you love the Lord. And so that's kind of where we're at now. Okay. Well, just like, you know, asking you about what makes you, um, kind of unique in some particular way, are there any particular challenges that, like you have that's kind of unique to you um, that you're okay with talking about? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll go ahead. Um, so about, let's say this kind of uniquely here. Um, about 10 years ago, um, I met a friend and kind of became more of an acquaintance. Or it was much more than an acquaintance. And this, this friend... Um, would just not leave me alone. He was very persistent, and um, I had a lot of people in my life that would um, just really point me to Christ, my parents, Marissa, but there's a friend that just every morning is there when I wake up, every time I go to bed is really nearby, and... um, just will sometimes I get so mad at him I was just like will you leave me alone you know he, he points me to Christ he points me he points to my sin and he shows me you know what a rotten person I am my my greed and my 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 I didn't really until I met him I didn't really know you know what an angry person I am um, he showed me my 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 doubts um, but that's what a, a a good friend does. He he points you, he shows you your sin, and he points you to Christ that you need Christ. Um, and that friend was uh, Lyme disease and chronic pain for me. Um, it was something that I did not want to go through, um, but in the end, it it showed me my sin. Like I didn't realize. When I was in high school, I never really thought of myself as a real angry person. But when I, um, when I got Lyme disease, I realized how anger, really, and bitterness was just pinting up in me, and and it was just pouring out of my heart. Um. um so yeah, like ten years ago, I, I got a tick bite or several tick bites. Um, I got it in Kansas and. Oh, that was 10 years ago. I'm <laughs> backtracking in my head. And um, I didn't have any symptoms. And then for several months, I kind of went through this um, undiagnosed pain for about nine months. I was having tingling, numbness in my feet, joint pain. I, it got to the point where I couldn't walk more than five minutes. Um, it just progressed. It went from one foot to the other foot, just 
absolutely bizarre um, symptoms. Um, and I didn't know what to do. I just went to the doctor because I thought, you know, that's who could help me. Um, you know, and so when when you have, and Lyme disease has very bizarre symptoms. Like, you go to the doctor, usually if you explain your symptoms, they can kind of identify it with you. Like if you're saying, oh, I got some back pain here. I got just a, like a common pain. Well, when you go to the doctor, like a couple of weeks ago, I had this pain in my foot. It just started out of nowhere. And it felt like I had Rice Krispies in my foot. And every time I would step, there was this crunching. And it was painful, like this crunch, this painful crunching of Rice Krispies in my, my right foot. And so, for me, I was like, okay, I'm not going to go to the doctor because... I know I have bizarre pain. So if I go to the doctor and say, hey, I have like Rice Krispies in my foot. <laughs> and every time I step, I can feel them crunching. They're going to like, okay, let's do an x-ray. And then they do an x-ray as normal. And like, okay, let's do an MRI. MRI is normal. Okay, why don't you do some PT? Okay, the PT makes it worse. It's still, it still hurts. Can I have, I need, I need off work because it's really bothering me. And then, so then they're just going to say, okay, um, here's some Cymbalta. But you need to go back to work. And that, that's kind of my Lyme story is I went to Mayo Clinic because I had tingling, numbness, uh, just real random pain. You know, they can't find the... Some mornings he couldn't, when he'd wake up, he couldn't move his arms. They were completely dead. Like he had no, yeah. no control of them. It was very weird. Yeah. My legs were just heavy. I felt like I had a stroke and I was like, had like, you know, like those little ankle bracelets you put on to ankle the weights. weights yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I, th- I went to Mayo Clinic in f- 2014. I think we got married in 14. It might have been 13, 2013. And it's just kind of the same situation where, you know, you go to Western Medicine because you have this bizarre pain. Well, that's so bizarre to them, and they don't really experience that bizarre pain. Um, and so... Um, a lot of times they put you on like they do the psychiatric meds or yeah. just because they they don't know. So they did the they did these you know they did several EMGs which is like muscle tests, nerve tests on me like four times. They were it was normal each time. So then there's just like you just need to take more Cymbalta. What's Cymbalta? It's a psychotropic drug. Um, I think it's is it for depression? What is it for? I don't remember. I don't work with that anymore. Uh, I'll look it up. And it was just to kind it's of... A, it's a psychotropic drug that's um, usually done for, like, mental illnesses, but... But you can take it's them. It's off-label. It was, like, off-label use for pain. Pain, yeah. There's a lot okay. of um, psychiatric drugs that they use for, for pain now. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, it is an antidepressant and nerve pain medication. Okay. So... Yeah. It, treat, it treats like diabetic peripheral neuropathy, fibromyalgia, and chronic muscle or bone pain. Yeah. So, yeah, it was, it was just, um, that was kind of my story. I saw... You were officially diagnosed with Lyme disease, though. Right. I was treated... Rocky Mountain spotted. I was, I was treated at KU. Um, I had a pick line. A lot of people don't get officially diagnosed because our testing is pretty off. Yeah, I had IV antibiotics for a week um, at the University of Kansas. They treated me. 
and then doxycycline for a month, and I just got worse and worse and worse. Um, I ended up seeing 20... 22, I think we counted. 20, more than 20 doctors. I tried more than 30 medi- prescription medications, not just for pain, but for also trying to treat the Lyme. Um, I spent over $40,000 doing natural treatment out of pocket. That's not insurance money. And, uh, Half cl- of that was donations. Clear. Yeah, God really provided. Yeah. Um, that was in clear, Our churches were amazing. That was in clear, Clearwater, Florida, doing natural things. treatment. Um, tried, a, tried all kinds of natural supplements. Probably, probably over 30 natural supplements. We even did the paleo diet. All kinds of diet stuff. Um, and, yeah, I I got to the point. Um, there's just, there's a, it was just so many layers of my suffering that I got to the point where I just felt like no one really understood me. And so I... You stopped, you stopped sharing your story, stopped telling people. Yeah, I stopped talking about it because it was just adding another layer to the story. I felt like I couldn't, very, I couldn't communicate it very well with people. Like I, I would talk about it and, it, and it just didn't seem like it was connecting with people. And so, so then I wrote a book. So I was like, I, I, I think people need to know this and understand you know, what's happened to me. But the book also talked about the Lord's. Yeah. Um, sovereignty in it. Yeah, so I, I wrote a book about it because there's really a, several purposes to why I wrote the book, but one of them was I didn't really, I don't really say this much, but it was I, I really wanted to explain to people, you know, what I went through. And I just never feel like I'm really good at communicating it. So I felt like if I just kind of wrote it out and took the time to kind of share it and do it art, artistically. Um, that that would be beneficial to me. But it almost, in the end, added another layer to this, this onion of suffering because I would give it to people and they would read a chapter and like they couldn't make it through the first chapter. And I, would, I think I gave it to probably a, a dozen people and only two people read it and it was my dad and then Marissa. My mom read, my mom got through it, halfway through it. Yeah, she, um, she, she, she tried, <laughs> she tried, um, it's, and it, it's written really well. Um, it's like I said, it's very analytical. Um, Kevin's brother thought that he's like, it's very preachy, but it's, it's really good. And yeah. maybe it's cause I'm his wife, but it had kind of like, so I'd... there was, my book was laid out in like five major points. And it's kind of like what my story was. We'll give you it to you sometime. <laughs> but you have to read it. I give you, <laughs> I give you a condensed version here right now. <laughs> but no, I think the challenge was... Um, I think today, like, the challenge for me with Lyme is being content. Um, that this is what God wants for me. That this is God's best for me. Um... A lot of times, I look forward to the resurrect my resurrected body. Like I'm just like when COVID came, and there was all this fear about oh what you know we didn't know what was going to happen if it is just going to be like the worst thing ever. 
and then he was always like and nothing then, compares to and, live and then Marissa was like Kevin are we gonna be okay and I was like I don't know about you but I've already <laughs> gone through Lyme disease so I can't imagine this being any worse than that <laughs> like I wake up with my arm my arms numb and rice krispies in my feet and my legs dead and sometimes he couldn't think that's why he eventually had to leave his job he could not think it was just like the worst brain fog in the world and um so yeah it was a challenge and um what i was the last thing i wanted to say was i right now i it's it's challenging for me to kind of accept that this is who I am because that the person that I was like in high school or just like um, 11 years ago like that person doesn't exist anymore it completely changed and that's what suffering does um, you know Paul talks about the thorn in the flesh and a lot of people are like okay is that suffering is that some kind of physical suffering that's going through or maybe that's some kind of sin that he's trying like covetousness that you know makes him humble but there's suffering is like multi-dimensional like if you're um even if it's persecution it it affects your body it affects your personality it affects your relationships like i don't have the relationships that i used to have with people um and that's hard for me because <laughs> i don't particularly like the person that i am anymore um <laughs> just because I don't feel like I connect with people anymore. Um, so it's well, Especially for our age. A lot of people our age are out with their kids or out, like, rock climbing or, like, this particular people I know and hiking. Oh, you got to bring him up? No. <laughs> no, no, no. He's a good friend. Um, yeah. It's, it's, just, it's hard when people say they... They reject you because they people, feel like you're boring. Yeah. It's hard when people say they don't have time for you because you're not you don't have the same interest they don't have this yeah they they're interested in something that i can't i can't do you know a lot of our friends are a lot older than us i mean our my friends are around my age and but a lot of kevin's friends are older yeah so you referred to um this as a friend so that seems to imply um like something Opti- you know, like a good perspective, on, like a optimistic or perspective yeah. on it, um, unless you were just being sarcastic. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, were, did you were do you sincerely uh, think of the suffering as a friend? And that's kind of what my story is about. There's there's five questions. It's all the same question as why me, and that's what my book is about. It's. Um, the common question we all ask we're all going to face suffering in this world whether we have Christ or not we ask brashly when it when it first strikes you say why me and that's just the common question and then you start to think about it because the question why implies some kind of order like we don't ask the question why and expect chaos to be the answer. We ex- we ask why because when you go to the doctor and you ask why is this happening to me, you expect there a reason to be a reason, and that's the second question. is mm. It's a cognitive. It's the cognitive question. So why me is okay. I'm asking why me because I really believe there's an answer to that. 
And so then it goes to the cosmic question, is when um, God himself came down and entered into our why, and Christ Jesus, the Lord, God, the Son of Man, the Son of God, on the cross said in Matthew 27, 48, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And when I looked at that verse and I saw, okay, here's God himself coming down and saying, why me? Um, just to experience a little, um, all of, I've only experienced a little taste of suffering, but God came down and experienced all the suffering and said the very same question that I'm, that I'm asking is like, wow, you know, and God really must care about us that he wants to enter into our suffering. Like he could have come down like in the, you know, Thor and any of these gods that come down and want to be, you know, exalted or worshipped. But our God came down and, and wanted to enter into our suffering. And so that's the, what I call the cosmic question of, of God coming down and asking why. And that, that act by God is... Um, what converted my question and I I struggle with telling people this because most of the time I don't think I don't actually believe my question is converted because a lot of times I still have a lot of bitterness in me and so I have to trust that you know um, God's work and God's asking of the why me is sufficient even when I fail but the converted question is okay Lord, I have Lyme disease. This enemy of Lyme disease, you've made into a friend. Why, why would you privilege me with this, with this, um, this suffering that I could know you more, that I could um, um, be changed and converted into a person that is more like you? Um, so, and that's why I call it. Um, call it a friend, not because I always feel like it's a friend, but because um, God is using it <laughs> as a friend. So, um, so there's five points. What there, was the fifth point? Well, the fifth oh. point. <laughs> the fifth point is I'm not there yet. It's the consummated question: is you know when you get to heaven, you will receive a because of first fruits of the resurrection which is Christ and his resurrected body you'll receive a resurrected body with no more pain no more sorrow no more crying you'll be able to worship God um, fully with all your heart all your soul all your strength for the first time in your existence you'll be able to um, worship him without growing tired you won't be distracted you won't be able um, you won't be distracted by your body and your, in your incapabilities. Um, so that's the consummated question where, God, why, why did you allow me to be able to worship you and see you face to face? Um, sorry. And so that's, that's, that's the final question. And right now I'm not, like, I... My body is a lot better than it was 10 years ago, but I'm not fully healed. Um, and I, I don't know if I'll ever be healed until I see Christ face to face. And I do struggle. I struggle with the 
converted question, and I also struggle with the the consummated question because sometimes when I look when I look to the future of my con um, my con um, my resurrected body, I sometimes think that I want that too much. Like, can I ask you a question? Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think you're more excited about? If there was so then in heaven, there's I think different you know different events that are going to happen. I think I think they're all going to happen, but. Like, say you could pick one, like receiving your resurrected body, your perfected body in Christ, or that's one option, or would you rather choose um, that every knee, being able to see every knee bow before Christ? Like, which one of those do you think are you more excited about? Um, so this isn't something I've thought about before I don't think but like interview what, question <laughs> right what did I be more excited about um, so is it if you like could separate more, those two things right this is, is theoretical it, is theoretical. it more of like seeing all every knee bowed before the Lord just seeing his glory and mm-hmm. everyone acknowledging that or seeing me made whole right um, um I don't know. I don't think I've thought a lot about heaven. Um, I guess a similar question I have thought about a little bit, like it's John Piper's question. Like, if you could go to heaven mm-hmm. and have everything oh, yeah. um, you you want it, you see all your friends, everything's perfect, beautiful, wonderful, but God's not there. Would you be okay with that? Mm-hmm. And then, like that resonates with me. Like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there's there, there's a problem with that. You know, I, I wouldn't be okay with that. Um, so, but as far as your question, um, as far as like um, just kind of an answer that I just feel or have thought, you know, I I haven't thought about it that much. Um, yeah. Uh, or at all so it's hard to you know I kind of know what the right answer is but it's hard um, just to say that I'm saying that because I've thought it through rather than it's just the right answer you know yeah like honestly thinking about it it's it's something that you know is something to think about honestly I think sometimes it's hard to to answer honestly but I I struggle with it because when I wake up in, in pain, I just get tired of my body. I think sometimes that I am more excited about my resurrected body and that I, you know, which is not good that I'm willing to, you know, step over Christ to get what I want, which is uh, a resurrected body. Um, so, you know, remembering that the consummated question is not just like, oh, God, why do I get a resurrected body? I don't deserve this. But it's more of just like, God, why do I get to see your face and behold your glory um, is an important part of it. So it's mm-hmm. there's many events in heaven, and one of them is the revealing of our bodies, but it's also, um, it's also beholding Christ and his beauty. 
Um, so I don't know if you've ever thought about that, but the the John Piper one is it's a similar similar question and is a great question too. Yeah, I guess one of the things that um, keeps me from thinking too much about the future uh, is because it's so elusive. Like I don't understand. Um, well, first of all, heaven. You know, like our final destiny is earth you know the resurrection the new heavens new earth but it's like the remaking of creation and everything so and that's what me sometimes people mean by heaven or sometimes they mean like you know geo uh, geographically like up there somewhere or something like that Mm -hmm. um so there's there's that there's like what does it mean jesus coming um like um is it like there's this this globe, the Earth, and like this uh, human body traveling through space, and then uh, coming through the atmosphere? Is is that, or is it something different, like more of a, a revealing yeah. or something? So there's like lots of things like that that keep me from even um, thinking about the future because there's so many questions I have, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot of mystery for sure. Mm-hmm. Well. Did you? Is, was there anything as far as you, Marissa? I don't struggle at all. Yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> well, she, Marissa's challenge, I think, I don't want to answer for you. No, but, I, I know what you're going to say. But she, the amazing thing about my wife is she, like a lot of times people get married and they don't know what their spouse is going to be like in 10, 15 years. And um, that can be a good or bad thing because a lot of people, you know, get divorced because they're like well I didn't commit to this kind of relationship or I didn't I didn't want to marry someone who ended up with cancer or whatever and that's really sad but Marissa's um she's my co-sufferer like she she knew what she was getting into not fully no not fully I only knew him two months before he was sick but by the time we got to our wedding we thought he was wheelchair bound that's why we, I don't know if you remember the chairs we had set out. We didn't stand the whole time um, because we, we thought you were going to go into a wheelchair next. So. Yeah. And Marissa's given up a lot um, for me. Like, there's a lot of activities that she enjoys that she would love to do. There's a lot of things that, um, yeah, there's just a lot of things that she would like to do that she is not really able to do because of me. And she, I don't know, you want to share? I don't want to speak for you. No, you're fine. Mine was a little different. Go ahead. But it's it's kind of along. I, sometimes I feel really guilty, and I know this is you know, probably Satan, <laughs> but sometimes I, I feel like the Lord gave Kevin Lyme disease because of me. And that sounds really weird, like, because that's just the way our human brains work. We blame our burdens on something we did. Like, well, what did I do to, like, make, you know, so-and-so, did did I make this happen? Did I? And I think sometimes, like, I look at Kevin and think, because I am a, um, it's kind of all wrapped up in the same, and I don't know if you guys could give me a word for this, but I like, um, I'm trying to, like, figure out how to word this. I, I like kind of a people pleaser um it's getting a lot better (laughs) I used to be pretty bad when I was younger but I want people to like me and um I think Kevin can agree with that um 
And again, it's gotten a lot better, especially after kids take a lot out of you and age, age really helps. You know, Mm -hmm. you, I remember one of my, my mentors and she was a really good friend. Um, she would tell me when you get older, you will stop. There's a point where you really just stop caring. And I'm really getting there. You're like, (laughs) it's kind of bad at some points because I say kind of really off the wall things and people like we're right. And I'm like, whatever. (laughs) I'm a little more vocal about things now. And you do, you just kind of stop. Um, really caring what others think of you but um I guess with the perfection and wanting people to like me sometimes I feel like the Lord gave Kevin it so that I um, take a step back because I'm like well I want to go do this with friends why can't you go do this or like I want to be that perfect you know picture family sometimes or like we can you can go out and play sports with the guys while like I'm with the girls or like you know you you have like these expectations and you want to look good on the outside. Um, and that's not us. And I do push Kevin a lot with his Lyme disease and I don't know where the pushing comes from. Cause we actually, this is interesting. This is coming up cause this was something that came up sometime last month where he just told me, you've got to accept me for who I am. And I think he's right in some sense that he could just have this the rest of his life. But I also think I am meant to push him to continue to find ways to help his body while he's here. (laughs) So I think there is, I think there's two sides to that story. And so I think our weaknesses are our strengths as well. If that, if that makes sense. Um, And they also play on each other. The Lord put us together because he's like, Marissa, this, you know, your goal in life is to not live for this world. It is to um, know that this world is passing, know that the enjoyments of this world are fleeting. Um, I think going through preeclampsia really was a wake up call for me because I'm so young and I'm healthy. And then I felt like, I really felt like I was at death's door. It was pretty awful. Um, The postpartum and then just the postpartum period was like, for months, I just felt so sick. I just was so tired. I, some days I felt like I, my body was just going to give out because it was, and it wasn't like the normal, like everyone talks about the normal postpartum fatigue. I just remember feeling like I couldn't move. My muscles ached. It was just, um, and I was on a, a medicine just to, for like four weeks to make sure my blood pressure didn't spike back up again. And that was awful. And um, there's just, I, Kevin's right. The Lord has really brought suffering into our lives to refine us and to make those biggest parts of our weaknesses for us to look back to him and say, Hey, you cannot focus on this life. It, it isn't, it isn't about this life, you know? And I think something I've been you know, teaching, um, some of my young married couples are just telling them or the new moms that the Lord's brought into our lives with our friends because we're one of the first people in our friend group who's had a kid um, is just to tell them, you know, you don't get this relationship for long. You know, you're, you are raising your children to love the Lord and to lead them out to um, love the Lord in this life. And it's the same thing. You only, you only have your spouse in this life. That's it. You, um, you will get to be friends with them in heaven. You'll see them. Who knows? I don't know what heaven's like. You know, are they? Are we like There's miles no- apart? Where I pass them? Hey, Kev, how's it going? There's then you know, go, for yeah, you to think about. go go on somewhere else. But this is the only time we get this relationship. So, um, and the Lord uses this relationship to refine you. He puts the you know the perfect person, not not perfect, but you know what I mean, in your life to refine you and puts those trials. So. I'd say, I'd say our trials play off of each other, but they're for our good. 
Well, and just um, unless there's anything else that we should talk about before we wrap up, I was going to ask, um, well, what do you find just really satisfying in life now? Like on a typical week, what is the part of it or the typical day or whatever that just is satisfying, just makes your day or your week or whatever and uh, just seems to be refreshing or life-giving or whatever? What is that for you guys, either individually or together or whatever? I'll answer first to okay. make sure... Marissa doesn't take my answer. I knew he. <laughs> and then it would take me in a half an hour to come up with another one. I think, um, well, I just started working uh, full time again uh, last on December twenty seventh last year. It's was it's been seven years since he's been able to work. So uh, not not that this is satisfying, but <laughs> um, um, the. The work, I, it just feels almost like like a second chance. Like, like I don't really, the work itself is not really satisfying. I don't really feel like Western medicine helps a lot of people. I feel like it's more geared toward making money and giving people band-aids. Um, but for me, the opportunity to go back and just be able to... Um, do anything five days a week eight hours a day and have the strength to do it is <laughs> satisfying mm-hmm. but but it's not satisfying because i because i um really am enjoying the job necessarily it's just it's it's that god has given me another opportunity and then um the other part that is satisfying is being able to come home and, um, as a father, you know, see my daughter smile or laugh at home. And I'm not really, you know, trying to make her, it just comes out of her and seeing her grow and bubble and that makes it satisfying. And then, um, being able to see my, my wife have the opportunity to, um, Get wrinkles under her eyes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the gray hairs from. Not yet. That's you. <laughs> I'll get there. <laughs> getting getting to see her flourish as a mom and being able to be part of that, op- giving her that opportunity, and um, hopefully we'll transition to her staying at home more. And um, you know, it's still. That transition has started. It's still ongoing. We haven't got there yet, but it's, I don't know, it's just really satisfying to know that I'm doing something that when I quit my job in 2015, and I, you know, I want, I always dreamed of working at Children's Mercy, and I thought, well... It's a hospital, a children's hospital in Kansas. Yeah, I always dreamed of working there, and I was like, when I left there, I was like, well, I probably won't ever be back. I don't know if I'm ever going to work again. And then um, God, you know, gave me healing, um, not full healing, but healing enough that I have the opportunity, a second chance, and I'm just not, you know, deserving of it. Um, So it's satisfying to me when I think about it. It's just 
it really is satisfying to know that God gave me another chance. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> what about your, do you have any th- th- thoughts for yourself, Marissa? Um, yeah, it's you know kind of. We've been, I know, I guess most people call it a role reversal because usually the husband is working and the wife is, um, stays at home with the kids. And it really, I mean, of course in our culture, it's not so much that way anymore. And, um, you know, women do have to work, um, you know, in some situations and, for a while, like when I, especially after having, having Adelaide, I was working full time. And of course my schedule was like days and nights and it was in the same week and it just felt awful. Um, and then I just felt like I was not, um, able to be really present much. And it just made some postpartum feelings a little bit, um, some postpartum feelings a little bit worse just with the sleep deprivation and then bouncing between days and nights and being full time. And, um, so the Lord really provided for us and I was able to go down to part-time. I came back in January and was able to go down to part-time in April. So it was a really quick transition and that was amazing. And then as of this year, I have been able to be on all days. Um, and it was just the way that, um, where I work just ran, um, cause we're just a very special unit. Um, and we're just a small tight knit unit. And, it, um, so, um, going part-time and being a mom has, has really helped. I think, um, I, what, what makes it like what I, I, it really is Adelaide that, um, that makes my day so special. Like, um, like he said, just to see her grow and to see the things we're teaching her, um, <laughs> there's little things like her little, her little storybook Bible. Um, we would say, oh, look, that's baby Jesus in the manger. And then for a while she was calling all little babies, Baba G's. <laughs> so we knew, you know, she knew <laughs> she was, you know, baby Jesus, Baba G's. So <laughs> it was super cute. Just, just to see her flourish. Um, you also as a mom, um, you have to see yourself grow and stretch and, um, my mom, my mom would say one of my biggest flaws, I think, was impatience growing up on the last of five. And I would get my homework done so quickly because I just wanted to go out and play. And I would get good grades, but horrible handwriting and just wanted to do things, you know, quickly so I could move on to the next task and um, was very task oriented. Um, and um, kids pull that impatience out of you and you just have to. I was the exact opposite, by the way. Were you really? I was like... Oh, yeah. He was so tedious. I was so <laughs> tedious. I would take the longest out of anyone in my, in my class ever to, to finish a test. <laughs> I would take like twice as long to, to, as anyone to complete anything. <laughs> terrible. <laughs> yeah. Opposites tracked. We're the same in many ways, but very opposite in a lot. Um, but um, she really like just she had colic in the first few months. And so the newborn period was really, really hard for us. And then she only wanted to, um, sleep if we were holding her. And so I just remember like, you know, crying out to the Lord, um, just a few nights. And I, I just, just remember feeling him say, just lean on me, pray. This is, these are times where you need to pray as a mother. And, um, and I just remember praying over her and just, um, you know, praying, um, about her life and about, um, you know, being a mom. And, 
So I guess being a mother has just been really satisfying. Um, it's really pulled out some characteristics that I've been there that I didn't really think were problems and were. <laughs> um, but I also still enjoy working. And that is something that I feel like, because, you know, at times we're like, we've been wanting to transition me out of work completely. Um, just going a few weeks, you know, whenever I, because I can schedule myself where I can get a week off or taking a couple weeks vacation. Um, I have realized that I do need some sort of outlet somewhere and I really do enjoy working. So I, even if we do transition, I think I will work PRN as a nurse. Um whenever that day comes, just because I, I just enjoy my field, um, doing what I do, working with moms. And so it's just, it's really satisfying to be a mom, but it's really satisfying, um, to be a nurse. Um, as much as nursing is so hard and I, <laughs> you have a, I have a love hate relationship with being a nurse. It is, it is awful, yeah. but just taking care of your patients, watching them become mom. I love doing postpartum phone calls. Um, and just getting to talk to the moms that are lonely. And um, it's, I, I love my coworkers because they're really patient with me because there's there was one conversation. I had like an hour-long conversation with a mom once, just postpartum, because she just needed a friend. Huh. Um, and so I got to spend an hour on the phone at work <laughs> just talking with patients, which is just really cool. And the ability to learn things in my field it's been really satisfying I, I definitely think if I ever transition as a nurse I would love to get into nurse education to educate other nurses because um, I just love learning so um, but well I thought we were going to wrap up with that but <laughs> I had just one other question mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so when it comes to like knowing God like relate a relationship with him where it's not just intellectual but it's like a connection where he's a friend enjoying his presence or whatever has suffering um, produced anything in regards with that like what's your relationship with God now um, for example like you know it, it seems like well, suffering produces sanctification mm-hmm. you know understanding our weakness some stuff like that when I think of like experiencing God you know I can think of like you know, times where it seems like I had a spiritual experience with Mm -hmm. God, uh, where I just felt his presence Mm -hmm. and so, but a lot of times it feels like, you know, it's, uh, he feels absent, uh, you know, too. But, um, so when it comes to like a real relationship with God and that connection and stuff has, um, you know, suffering, uh, done something to that like what's it like is it different now than it and so forth or what's that like I guess well when you ask that kind of question it makes me think of like oh no he has a my, twinkle in his my, eye <laughs> my grandma McGee who just goes around all day talking to Jesus yeah <laughs> so no it hasn't made me like that where I'm like cleaning the closet and saying thank you Jesus for all these clothes yeah like, she's so cute <laughs> like I don't know if that's part of her personality or what, but maybe I need to talk with her. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she'd be a great one to talk to. <laughs> yeah, she's just she's just always talking about Jesus and yeah. talking to Jesus. Um, and then just sporadically, we'll just pray for you. Like you're in the middle of a conversation. Well, let me pray for you, honey. Or just like, yes, Jesus. And then just start praying, and you're like, oh, we're, we're praying. <laughs> Super cute woman. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
I think what, and this kind of goes back to uh, confidence in God's word. I think what suffering has done as far as experiencing God's presence is, is help me to see um, the, the person of God and who he is more clearly understand like when I talked about because there's there's so many people that really haven't suffered like I've talked to people mm-hmm. and they haven't gone, especially our age they haven't really experienced anything um, where they would say that they've suffered um, and so I kind of feel bad for them in the in one aspect because when you when you read about Jesus in that in just like the verse of the son of man came not to be served but to serve sorry let me say that again the son of Jesus came not to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom and we think of our lives and like oh my life belongs to me and I would like to do things that I enjoy and um, do for me and I kind of you know you kind of have that attitude even when you hear that verse um, as a Christian but you haven't really suffered anything you don't really understand it but when you hear that you know God came to give his life as a ransom and that you've been crucified with Christ and it's no longer I who live but Christ lives in me and the life I now live in the flesh I live by faith in the Son of God you kind of realize that because of my suffering I don't cling on to my will as much like I like the the person who I always wanted to be my aspirations like I don't have those anymore and that might be like really disappointing to the world but I I understand that the son of God came to suffer and so for me to expect that I'm going to have anything different than him is just absurd and so it helps me to see okay I can identify with Christ and his suffering and I can and it doesn't have to be persecution like a lot of I think pastors put an emphasis that suffering has to be persecution to identify with Christ but you can take any hardship and you can say I'm going to be crucified with Christ and I'm going to identify with Christ. I'm going to I'm going to let go. Of, what that means is I'm going to let go of my desire or my will or what I want in my experiences and in my life and I'm going to say it's it's Christ who lives now and I I like I'm not going to be the person that I aspire to be. I'm going to be more than that. I'm going to be I'm going to be um crucified with Christ. I feel like I'm rambling. I don't again, I don't feel like I'm able to communicate it very clearly, but um, I think when you 
you suffer with Christ, you begin to understand God's word a little better, and um, you you hear different passages like the passage that I talked about in my in my book of uh, Matthew twenty seven forty eight, and then it's also you know in the Psalm, "My God, My God, why have you forsaken me?" I mean, David says that in the Psalm. Like I feel like I understand. You know, it's a very confusing verse, I think, for people. But I, I feel like because of my suffering, I, I understand it a little more. And I understand um, just the layers of suffering and how it changes a person, how it changes their their personality. And it's just, it's just a, f- a fascinating thing that God uses. And He created the world. Like, when He created the world... He had the suffering of Christ in his mind already. Like, he created suffering. And and people think that that's hard to say. Like, that God didn't create suffering. We did because of our sin. But God used our sin to bring suffering in the world. But God, that, God ordained suffering. And he, before the foundation of the world, he decided what Jesus was going to say on the cross. He knew what Jesus was going to say. And he knew Jesus was going to come to suffer. And it's just, it just is so weird to me that we've got to the point where we're just like, how could God allow suffering? It's like, God doesn't just allow suffering. He wanted it in our world to glorify the Son so that when the Son died and conquered suffering, God could be... fully perfect and that's hard to understand but the Bible does talk about Jesus becoming perfect through suffering and God becoming perfect for through suffering is you know really just a bizarre thought like how can God become more perfect he's a perfect being um, but that's what the Bible says and so it's just like I feel like because through suffering you, you identify with Christ's suffering more, but you also understand his word better. Um, just like in a textbook, if you read about Lyme disease and you read about it and it just, everything you read says it doesn't exist in Missouri, it doesn't exist, the CDC says it doesn't exist in Kansas. I think there's only like uh, four reported cases in Missouri. One of my friend's dad has it and he's struggling to get a diagnosis because they say there's only yeah. four people. But you it's could nuts. But you could read like the textbook of what the symptoms are, and it has to have this symptom, or it has to have a rash that looks like this, and then you you have all this head knowledge. And so, as a doctor, you you know you could look at Lyme disease and not know Lyme disease, and so you have, and this is controversial. Like you have hundreds of doctors who look at Lyme disease, and. They know the textbook version of it, but they don't know Lyme disease. So, like, for me, because I experience it, I can know it, not just the textbook, but I can know it, what it feels like. And that's how God's Word is. I mean, you could look at the person of God and not know God because you haven't known His suffering. (laughs) And so, that's just kind of... That's the, and that's a lot of, you know, 
I opened up a big can of worms because that's a lot of my frustration with with Western medicine. But um, our yeah, goal is to not that, suffer. I mean, if you think of all yeah. humans, we don't want to suffer. We hate it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and so that's why we have so many the stuff we have. I think I was even, I just saw this recent post that they're um, trying to. Um, they found like something to elongate. They're hoping that it will elongate um, life. Um, and I'm like, why, 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 why do we want to do that? <laughs> um, it has to do, I mean, we've known this for a while, but I do it like the telomeres, but you know, we've known that for a while, but it's just interesting stuff. Like why, why are we wanting to prolong our suffering? And of course it's for those who don't know the Lord. They are, we're all scared to die. Even those who deny it, they haven't really looked deep in their hearts. We're all scared. Yeah. And we're all scared to suffer. So, but you don't have to be. Okay. Well, thanks, guys. Mm-hmm. It was really good. Appreciate the conversation. So yeah. It'd be worth, well worth listening to again. Yeah. Thanks for this opportunity. It's really good to rehash all this because yeah. I think we think it in our brains, but Kevin and I haven't revisited it in a while. So. Yeah. I, uh, like I said, I got to the point where I, for like four or five years, it seemed like it was all we talked about. It, and I was just like, got to the point where I got tired of it and so just you know talking to you about it it's just like refreshing almost therapeutic mm-hmm. so. <laughs> it's a counseling session <laughs> you should change this from a podcast to a counseling session <laughs> <laughs> well thanks Will mm-hmm.